Hello, 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 and welcome to yet another uh, episode of the Akash and Friends podcast. Today we have a friend that I made uh, when he was down in India for a little bit, so we didn't get a lot of time to hang out. But I think we found like a genuine connection in that uh, uh, we both really like talking about jokes. Uh, so, so without much ado, I'd like to call on Akash Singh. Akash, thank you so much for doing this. Man. Thanks for having me, man. You are probably my favorite comic in India, and I don't say that as like an insult to any other comics. I just thought you're so good and so funny, and I loved how much you love comedy. Hey, thanks, dude. I, I, why, why, why uh, do you spell our name wrong? My parents, <laughs> my parents, they tried to. So my dad had a list of names he took to white people he worked with and said which one. A list of like names they liked, and he said which one do you have the easiest time pronouncing? And apparently, yeah. when it was A K A S H, they would pronounce it Akash or something like that. So he, yeah. he said when he pronounced it A-K-double-A-S-H, that was the closest they got. But that's still, I don't know if it's Akash or Akash Singh, I don't know. Yeah, it's Akash, right? Like Akash, a, but so many people say yeah. Akash, like both my, both my in-laws say Akash. So an A-K-double-A-S-H sounds like Akash. <laughs> the biggest problem I had whenever I've gone to the States is that people call me A-Cash. And yeah. I think it's because they read, yeah, because they read your name first. <laughs> that's what's happening. Yeah. yeah, there was another Akash oh that did comedy in in the States, like, around, around when I started. And I don't often feel like I need to make it before this person. But I was like, I can't be the second Akash. There's not enough space for two Akashes in America. Yeah. I know this. Yeah. <laughs> there's one in India also. <laughs> there's, there's one in India who won uh, India's version of Last Comic Standing. Mm. Uh, oh, so he, yeah. That's right. Akash right. Gupta, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. He took the Akash and then there's a guy called Saurav Mehta who took the Mehta. So now I have neither my first nor my last name. <laughs> yeah, but in India, I feel like Akash is so common. It's not as bad. Here, it's there's so few Indians. People are blown that's away true. if they meet two Indians with the same name. Uh, that's that's weird though to me, right? Like, because whenever, I mean, I feel like, like Indian Americans are like a significant like force in America generally, right? Like it's the richest minority by far. Richest minority, but we're only 1% of the population. So we're a significant force for our percentage of population, culturally speaking, you know, all these movies and all that, but you still meet so few Indians. Right. So many Indians I grew right. up with were the only Indian at their school. Well, when I, I remember going in 2015, it was so weird because I would meet people with my complexion and be like, oh, where are you from? And he'd be like, oh, I'm from Virginia. And I'd yeah. be, it'd take me a second to kind of process. <laughs> yeah. And I had to fight the urge to be like, no, but where are you really from? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's, that's how it should be here. But what's funny is when I go to India, everybody's like, oh, you're from America. So when I go to India, I'm fucked up. I'm like, yo, you guys are supposed to, I'm from here. I'm from India. I grew up my whole life saying I'm from India. Now you guys are like, oh no, you're from America. Get out of here. And I get where you're coming from, but it, it always messes that like NRIs up when we go back or whatever you call us. Yeah, I, that's the that's why what's interesting to me, right? Like, do you count as an NRI or do you are you just an American citizen now? Like, cause cause I, I'm assuming your dad moved first. Dad, no, mom moved. moved. My nanaji moved when my and then he moved my mom out when she was like 14. Well, so nanaji moved in the 70s, 60s. What? 60s. Oh man, yeah. what did he do when he moved? I don't know. He never talked about it much. He just always told me how hard he worked to get there, and that was he didn't talk about any struggles like racially or whatever. Just work, study, 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 and it's true, I guess. But like, he came in the 60s as a city planner. I think he got a master's in city planning, and then worked in Ohio, and then somehow found his way to Texas, and then worked there for a few years, and then got enough money to send two of his four daughters and my my nanny over. My nanny. Right. Man, that's a, that's, that's so whatever, whatever I've spoken to people who moved there, right? I think there were three major uh, migrations that happened, right? The mm-hmm. first one was in the 60s and 70s, which was highly skilled uh, labor. A lot of doctors yeah. moved in that time. Yeah. Uh, and then in the second batch, uh, uh, you had a lot of, uh, I think it was like in the 80s and 90s, which was a lot of people who just went mm-hmm. and just started doing whatever jobs they could. Like Nimesh's dad, right? Nimesh's dad moved in and worked at a, I think at a Sears or a Costco or something. Right. right. Uh, then you have the third generation, which is like these young IT kids, whatever made San Francisco what it is mm-hmm. today, sort yeah, of yeah, yeah. that kind of population. Yeah. And it's I I had, I had to do this festival called um, I think it was called the Desi Desi Comedy Festival out in the Bay Area. Yeah, that's a fun yeah. festival. So 
So I did that back in 2000, uh, I, I guess maybe 17 or 8, 15 or something like mm-hmm. that. And it was just so interesting to see how those populations kind of gel, right? Because like when you grow up there, uh, it must constantly, like, I don't know, don't you constantly feel out of place? Yes, you feel out of place your entire life. And that's where our big, like, we have a great life. We're in America. But our big identity struggle is, I, I, that's what I was kind of touching on, is like, I grew up my whole life and I'm an Indian because I'm like, I had a big revelation that no matter, I was after like, nothing crazy racist, but something fairly racist happened. And it was like the last one where I was like, oh, no matter how much I try to be friends with a white person, whatever, they will always, they, they're not necessarily going to hate me, but they're always going to see me as an Indian. And that's just what it is. I will never be them. And that was like a big yeah. turning point moment in me being more proud of being Indian. And But then I yeah. went back to India and everybody was like, you're not us, dude. What the fuck is, you know, you're not. You're so American. And I speak this duty Hindi that sounds super English or whatever, but like, I have the accent at least. So it's this big struggle for most Indians. And we don't have like Indian Americans. We don't have like a place. We don't have like an identity. Yeah. We're, we're always just kind of like, I don't fit in. Which again, sounds like I'm complaining about living in a fucking, growing up in a two story house or whatever. No, but I think it's, man, we take privilege too seriously, man. Like, yeah, on I, some I, level, like, people are so quick to spot privilege, but it takes privilege to spot privilege anyway, right? So, oh, I mean. Shit, that's a bar. That's yeah, right, my but, feeling I mean, on when, when people complain about white privilege. I know what India, what I see in India. And I'm like, oh, we're so privileged to be American. Y'all have no fucking clue what you're complaining about. But that's interesting. It takes privilege to spot privilege. But that's where I feel guilty going to India and being complaining about stuff because I'm like, yeah, I know how to get out of here, man. Like, it's great. Yeah. It's so interesting to me how this in-group, out-group stuff works, right? Like, I was watching this uh, uh, this vlog or something that this guy made. Uh, he's the son of this uh, uh, white actor that moved to India. This guy called Tom Adlow. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a legend, okay, in Bollywood. Now, his son is a cricket journalist and stuff. He makes some vlogs and stuff. He did some acting work. He... He's talking about this incident from when he's a kid and he's in the car with his parents and a group of white tourists are passing by and he's staring at them like, oh my God, look, it's white people. And yeah. his mom snaps at him and she's like, dude, what are you staring at? They look, ex- you're one of them. Yeah. Because <laughs> right? you're just not used to that. Nah. You, you kind of forget. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I remember. And you'd, hmm. yeah, well, first, I still get excited every time I see an Indian and I'll make eye contact with him just to be like, hey, I know. And then if he doesn't return the eye contact, I'm like, this fucking sellout, motherfucker. I hate you and blow my heart. (laughs) But I also remember going to India and being there for two weeks. And in Texas, when I lived there, there was like very few Indians in my school. And we didn't really talk or whatever. And then when I went to India the first time, I was like 15, super late. But then I'm there for three weeks and we see white people at Kutubinad. And I'm just, we're all just laughing. Like, look at the white people, look at the Goras, whatever. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I finally get to do this on this side. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, no, I, this one time I felt reverse racism. Yeah. Like I was in Nepal and uh-huh. there was this dude there in Nepal and he was Indian and he was really annoyed that he came so far away <laughs> and he found another Indian person. Uh, like he great. genuinely didn't want, it was damn fun, dude. He was with a friend of mine who was uh, in my college. And uh, it was just like, I didn't know they were going to be there. Right. You know, they, yeah. they, they had like a weekend planned or all the yeah. fuck. And, and I just <laughs> happened to be there for a show. <laughs> I performed in this villa where the show got um, yeah, pre-pawned. Pre-pawned is, by the way, not a word, but it should be a fucking word. Uh, yeah. Show got pre-pawned? What, did they do it earlier? Yeah. yeah so, yeah, they made it early. Hmm. You know why they made it early? Because Paris Hilton was going to come and ski there. Oh, that's a big deal. You gotta, yeah, you got you to move things around from Paris Hilton. Wait, was this when she was famous or is this now? Uh, this is like, uh, was she famous five years ago? Mm, not really. That's eh, kind well, of... Then it's, it's, it's Nepal, man. What do you expect? That's true. You know? That's true. Yeah. I bet I'm but I was quite amazed, dude. <laughs> but that entire experience was such an interesting mix. Like it was like a it was a weird trip, right? Because the first half of the trip, I was hanging out with the guy who got me for the show. It was like a private show, mm-hmm. and this guy was loaded. Like he yeah. was absolutely loaded. Like the the audience was like literally like half the wealth of the country. Right. You know. Yeah. Uh, and 
and these guys dude they live like there's no rules dude they live like it's the 70s and 80s and 90s like they're smoking in elevators dude yeah you know what i mean like yeah, they have no like they're telling the cop to yeah dude they tell the cop to fucking like uh, 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 and the cop takes two steps back it was it was madness dude i got a power trip by association i can't even i had a friend who was friends with somebody who grew, who grew up on the upper east side in manhattan which is like the elite of the elite in america so like just rich he had like a, a house i think somebody offered them 50 million dollars for the house and then his mom asked this the person like do you need 50 million dollars and he's like no and then she's like all right well then don't sell it like that's how rich they were um and we were in i went to his house for like 10 minutes he was just stopping and i never met his friend but i was in his friend's house and i'm looking at all these fancy machines and then i go into the kid's bedroom and he has every kind of cologne you could possibly have this massive bedroom in new york city that was as big as my apartment just for a kid one of two kids he had a walk-in closet which is just like unheard of for any kid in new york and i was looking around and none of this sounds as crazy as it does if you unless you imagine it's the most expensive piece of real estate probably in new york city yeah Uh, and I was like, "Oh, I don't want my kids to be like this because this kid has no fucking concept of money." He just gave my friend, the one I was actually friends with, he just gave him an Uber account. He was like, "Yo, get Ubers whenever you want. I got it." But like, that's a really nice thing to do, but his money doesn't mean anything to this guy. Rules don't mean anything to this guy. It's such a twisted reality. I don't want it. But that's so interesting to me, right? Because like sitting in India, we look at the states and be like, "Oh my God!" Like there's so much better rule of law in the states. Yeah. Like, there's some semblance of a legal system in the states. Yeah. Here is when you know you can yeah, really yeah. get away with it. Yeah, you get yeah. Uh, I can get away. With I mean, I, yeah. Like, I mean, if if you're wealthy, like yeah. if if you have the money, you can get away with pretty much anything, right? And yeah. and and that kind of fear always exists in the air. With the states, like two things, I think there's like some surety, right? Like. If you kill somebody, at least they'll try you, and then you can convince right. the jury. Yeah. But they'll try you within the lifetime, and right. and you will most likely get a result. And the second thing is in America, you can say whatever the fuck you want, and you have absolute impunity. Uh, and yeah. obviously, you're gonna get hate on on social yeah, media. Cancel, but it's strong. not like yeah, yeah, right. Uh, that th- that's the beauty of it, right? Like just because you block someone on Twitter doesn't mean they die. Yeah. Uh, But but burning down their house is actually you know that yeah. they might die. Yeah, <laughs> so. and I, I take that for granted because we had cancel culture. I was like, oh, we freedom of speech is getting threatened, and then I see what India is going through with this this girl Agrama. What's her name? Yeah, uh, yeah. That was a, it. Wasn't even a, an offensive joke at all. I like read the article that you sent me, and I was like, this is nothing offensive at all. To be honest, it's not a great joke, but it's also not remotely offensive, and. I could not even understand how that was getting politicized. Like my brain couldn't understand the idea. And you can get away with shit in America if you're Jeffrey Epstein and all these and Bill Clinton, but like that's the level it takes. Whereas I yeah. think in India the bar is a little lower for freedom of speech and hate. But it's so interesting, right? Like I think like Epstein still got caught on some level. The only yeah, people associated is, with him are I don't think that. Yeah. Like Bill Clinton was on his private jet like 26 times or something. I'm sure he was doing some foul shit. Nobody's gonna touch this guy. <laughs> His wife is almost president. Like this is, they don't care. At a certain level, there's some ill shit going on, but it's like so high up. But this is one question I come to with a lot of people on the podcast, especially with comics, right? Like the futility of everything, right? Like yeah. just, just of everything we do, and then, and then people will come and tell you, like, oh man, comedy can change people, and I'm like, I, you know what, man, maybe you shouldn't be putting all this. <laughs> <laughs> on this pressure on my dick jokes, man. Yeah. Like, why yeah. you gotta? <laughs> like, I spent six months trying to make a goat sound funny. Okay, I don't think yeah. I should be the voice box. No. And then there are comics who are really strong about it as well, right? Because they have an opinion and a point of view to express. Yeah. But I just kind of feel like, like fuck, man. Like it's like you, right? Like all the things you talk about on stage, right? Like on some level, you can't genuinely believe that it's gonna make a difference. I don't. You know, it's weird. Sometimes I'm delusional enough to believe I can have a sphere of influence that's big enough to change something. But it's never. I'm gonna bring down Epstein or, you know, whatever. I think you just have dude, the futility of everything. I think about with like life and every human being's life. It is, and I, I try not to let it like make me sad or whatever. But the thought crosses my mind every once in a while of like, oh, all this shit is for nothing. 
every one of us just exists yeah. and tries not to die, but we don't have like a greater, and I'm religious, but that's it. You just, you try to find your purpose within the purposelessness. That's where like having a wife and kids and something to fulfill yourself. You search for that. Your jokes, cool, that's something, and that's gonna give you something. But to think it's gonna change the world? I don't think so. You change what you can change, but you also have to say things that are authentic to you and that you have a desire to say. I don't have a desire to make jokes about like, you know, why is this desk funny? My, my, it's just not, it doesn't draw me in. Making jokes about yeah. things that will make people like a little bit uncomfortable and all that stuff, that for whatever reason, my brain is a little fucked up. I love the idea that I can try to offend you or make you laugh at something that you should be offended by. That's what yeah. draws me in. Yeah. That's it. That's, That's the only reason. That's a great I, trip to be on. Yeah. Yo, it's the best. It's like, if I can pull that off, there's something so satisfying about that. It's probably, I have low self-worth. So like, oh, if I can do that, I must be great at comedy. Look, I just made you laugh. It's a whole thing. Like, it's interesting because when you and Nimesh do it, like, I, I really love the way you and Nimesh do it as well. Like, because that's one of the reasons I got hooked onto Nimesh's stuff as well. Because yeah. I was like, oh man, this guy knows how to piss people off yeah. and just 100%. takes joy in it. And, but you know what? Andrew does the same thing. Mm-hmm. But somehow, I think it's my inner racist or something, dude. But when a white guy does it, I just feel like, you know, man, maybe you should, you know, it's just... It doesn't <laughs> sound as funny. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Cause, well, I mean, I think Andrew is, and I know you're not insulting him. I'm just, just, he's like, to me, he and I started together and watching what he's been able to do. I'm like, oh, fuck, it's so impressive. And he's so obsessive about all of it. I look at him like, man, fuck, what I'm doing isn't nearly as good as what this guy's doing. So it's good to know that Indians are still with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's all I really want to be in anyway. What year did you start in? I started, I did it in college once, maybe, now maybe in college I did it five times from like 2002 to 2006. I did it uh, t- the same set, like I went up once, did the same set at my college later. Um, it went really well the first time, pretty well the second time. Third time I came up with a new set, was super cocky about it, bombed my dick off, like unbelievably bombed hard. So I got pulled off stage, it was so brutal. Then I didn't get on stage again for two years. And then I did it once two years later and then once one year after that. And then, after I graduated, I was supposed to be try to be a doctor, but my GPA was like fine. It wasn't anything. I would have had to take a year and do like a master's or something, master's program, whatever. And I was like, let me just try this. I asked my mom, she said, go for it. She said, I would rather you know, even if you can't do it, than wonder for the rest of your life. So I went, started in LA 2007, probably 2008, something like that. And then I, that was since then, so probably, yeah, probably 2008 I started. Is it weird starting in a place like US? Like, it's just like so fucking saturated, right? Like, I couldn't get... Uh, uh, I remember just like barking for mics at the Grizzly Pear and shit. Yeah, dude. oh, like, it's rough. Grizzly Pear and shit. You know, yeah, open and mics in LA. Yeah, I started in LA and open mics are fine, but you're performing for comics and you can get funny, but also the LA culture is like a little bit not for me in the sense that like, it's a little glossy, if that makes sense. Like, everything is a little shiny out there. Yeah. Like, if I need to point yeah. in an L.A. comedy scene, I'm not just going to point. I'm going to point like this. And it's just like, I don't I don't want I don't want I was doing this, and there's room to do this. New York, a lot of people just put their, their arms like yeah. this, and yeah. they stand. And that's yeah. fucking whack to me also. But I, if I have to choose, I'd rather choose the hands and the shoulders than, than this. Um, so I, I moved to LA and New York and New York is rough I used to have to bark outside at a place like the Grizzly Pear called the Village Lantern um, and it's just brutally cold and you're standing out there and you oh Village Lantern is right across the thing right, right across the street and the now it's only upstairs before there was a downstairs like a dungeon yeah that's where Andrew me a couple other homies we all came up there Andrew got me there had me barking and we would do shows for four people sometimes so that's where my mm. crowd work got good because I can't do jokes for four human beings and just recite them at them. They're going to be like, what the fuck is this? So you have to talk yeah. to them, make them comfortable, weave the joke in. Um, and then that's, I kind of built from there. Do you feel like comics, like, I don't know. Okay. This is like, an, this is a general, probably an uneducated observation, right? Mm. But if you see a comic that's been doing it four years here versus a comic that's been doing it four years there, comics here rip way harder. Yeah, I think so. Like, I, I, and I think, and this is just a crazy theory, but I think it's the quality of stage time. 
because you're not there's an upper limit to how good you can get to an empty room yeah right? yeah I think stand up there is going through like the renaissance the explosion uh, that's a good point I hadn't thought about that but like yeah you guys are you have a market that's brand new to stand up comedy what is it 11 years old over there yeah pretty much I've been doing comedy longer okay. than India yeah so well, yeah oh probably yeah because yeah, we so, also started in New York only I think so yeah and I went to an open mic at Habitat and it was like human beings there and I was like what the fuck is going on because stand up yeah. is still a novel concept to you guys here it's been around 80 years nobody like that's yeah. a night out I'm not I'm not like and then in the 80s it went through a big explosion but then yeah it's kind of like alright man whatever like this we got so but that's literally where we are right now like yeah. we we had a big explosion before we had our Lenny Bruce you know what yeah. I mean yeah well which is yeah that's a problem I didn't think about that yeah fuck I see what you're saying you yeah. have your Lenny like Bruce every, who is your do I mean, you have I, one I I I mean, I don't think anybody's a Lenny Bruce, but I feel like, uh, I think Kamra definitely pushed it in one direction. Yeah, like, he's the best. Yeah, because before Kamra, you couldn't even talk about Modi. Uh, yeah. And now you can talk about Modi. You might have to say Modi G instead of Modi, but at least there's room for that conversation. <laughs> now. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of things, I don't think there is scope, man. Like, I mean, a lot of comics uh, have like a way more gung-ho attitude. Like they're way more energetic when it comes to the idea of dealing with religious tendencies of a fucking billion people right like yeah. and I'm just like you know man I can't there's, the, the laws are stacked against you public sentiment is against you yeah. you know Yeah. and and I just I my trip you know me man I just want to get jokes to fucking work yeah. so I don't care what the joke is about mm-hmm. you know like I, I just want to keep working dude like I, yeah, I, no, I, and it becomes I like that. a yeah and I feel like that choice is like a weird choice to have to make like am I going to become an activist now is that is that what it's going to be because no. then it's going to be like a that's a lifestyle right that's like comedy almost because you yeah. got to live and breathe that shit yeah you can't just fucking wake up and be activist Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and then handle everything else yeah and, and I don't uh, I believe in like being able to make the joke and I'm passionate about that but like I'm not going to no fucking marches about it I will have my platform and use my platform to say that but I always got to be funny first I think the problem with a lot of activist comedies, they stop focusing on funny. And then activism lends itself at like uh, kind of a slippery slope into, oh, well, you can't say that because it marginalizes this group of people or it's punching down or whatever other bullshit theory you came up with that's just as oppressive as what, you know, the other side is. Yeah, that, that's the interesting thing about, that's the whole freedom of speech conundrum, right? Like, where does the line, is there a line? Should there be a line? It's like, you know, freedom of speech to talk about whatever you want, except for these three things. Like in India, the whole concept of freedom of speech has always been attached to these, uh, uh, you know, restrictions, right? You can't talk about X, Y, and Z. You just can't, dude. You just, you can't talk about caste openly. You can't talk about religion. You can't, because there's legal sanctions for you to go to jail if you try that shit. I didn't um, know that. Uh, yeah, so 295A, IPC, man. That's if you hurt any religious sentiments deliberately and intentionally. Now, what is deliberate and intentional is up to debate. But if you're going to get stuck in a court process for the next 15 years of your life, is it worth it? Is yeah. the question. Yeah. Right, uh, uh, and for some people it is worth it, I guess, because I feel like there's also a sense of social currency that comes with it. Yeah. Uh, right, yeah. like because, and and I do comics get so annoyed when I say this, right? But like there is there's definitely value in being the victim in a situation. Always, that's the I think to a fault in America we've empowered victimhood, and that's this whole idea that you can't punch down. I'm like. People making careers out of being victims. I see comic make uh, comics make careers out of oh racism, 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 racism. There's, I mean, I don't know who I want to say his name, but there's a comic in America who's Indian, whose whole thing is racism, racism, racism. Look, I'm the victim. I'm the victim. I'm the victim, and it works to a large degree. But uh, yeah, why are saying mean things about Hari Kunda Bulu? Yeah, you know what it is. <laughs> you know, everybody knows who it is. I, I was it. just guessing. Everybody <laughs> knows. I mean, it's an easy guess. You know what I mean? It's easy. But if you take away victimhood, they have nothing. Like there's comics like that. Without being a victim, I don't know what to do. I, I am. Def- I am. I, you've taken away my only weapon. And I think that's that's not something I want to celebrate. But that's also. I think the counter is also that the stand-up is the only place where they can talk about being about their victimhood in a way which is, I guess, more palatable to the end user right like I mean you want you want to tell them your truth but in a way that they can digest it hence comedy right nah, I guess I mean, I do think a one man show 
Yeah, I mean, go do a one-man <laughs> show. One-man show is for people who can't be stand-ups because they're not funny enough. Go do that. That's the perfect avenue for you. See, I love this, dude. The US scene is big enough for you to have these opinions and it's not going to certainly destroy your career. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I didn't have them for a long time publicly. And I still am, like, keeping it in the pocket. I don't like to bash a lot of other Indians generally, so that's why I didn't say his name. But, like, yeah, it can. or it, People think it can, but I think also now that we create our own content, like, you make your money off this podcast. The bigger this podcast gets, the less you need everything else. Now, you're always yeah. going to have to worry about the angry mob actually being violent in India, and that's different. But in terms of, like, blowing opportunities, like, if you're making... You know, a million a year off your podcast. Who's a fuck about the angry, angry mob? I have my own fans who support me, and we're good. Yeah. And that's what we were able to build a little bit in the states easier. Yeah. My problem in this situation is I don't usually have bad things to say about people, and then yeah, I, have I know to you're the best guy. Come up with shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're the best guy. Dude, there was something somebody told me like a couple of months ago that really like hung with me, and he said, uh, "This is not the kind of scene where you can hold a grudge. Like, there's no point of holding a grudge." Because because the whole the whole idea of holding a grudge, it, it, its natural conclusion is a sense of revenge, right? Yeah. Like yeah. some sort of redemption. And that's always going to be a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Because this is the kind of scene where you'll go up and you'll go down. The best thing you can do is just like... And, uh, you know, just, just learn from the people around you. Because eventually, they're going to be in a position to do something nice for you. And if you're going to be a dick... It's gonna really, you know, fuck with you, and and I think that's something you can take both ways, right? Like there's one way of looking at that and saying, yeah, man, that's like making the best of a of of the environment you're in. The other way is saying maybe you know, oh, this is such a dicky thing to do, right? Like just just have no spine and take no stand. But I feel like uh, I don't know if you know about Golden Balls. You remember Golden Balls? There used to be this in British TV show called Golden Balls. No. So it's it's about this thing called prisoner's dilemma, okay? So there are two people, say, you and me rob a bank, the cops catch us, they put us in separate interrogation rooms, and they tell you, hey, Akash, you know, the other Akash, he's, he's already given you up, man. So if you just give us give him up too, you know, you can, yeah. you can fuck off. Right. And he tells me the same thing about you. Now, if both of us agree to cooperate, we both lose the money. Oh, yeah, Dark Knight, they do that. Dark Knight Rises or whatever. Or dark yeah, kind of, right? And and if, if both of us choose to lie, we both get to keep the money and split it. Or mm-hmm. you know, if so the idea is if you if you split the money, you both get the money or or one person takes everything and the other one doesn't take anything. Yeah. If only one of them just chooses to yeah. cooperate. So uh and they they ran this like computer simulation, okay, on what's the best strategy to win in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they got people to write their own software. Like everybody wrote their own software. American Army wrote its own software, and all the software, software companies wrote their own software to beat this thing. And the strategy that worked the best was the one that cooperated until there was aggression against it. Hmm. You know what? I mean? Just keep cooperating until somebody fucks you over. Then you fuck them, burn them a couple of times, and then you go back to cooperating because you realize that you don't just stop existing in the ecosystem. Uh, you know that the other person is the only person you have to play with so you have to go back to cooperating at some point right yeah. so I feel like what I'm trying to get at is that uh, being nice is mathematically advantageous yeah no that was way too smart for me I, I started thinking about <laughs> Batman a lot and then I just got very lost in what you yeah, were saying I, yeah. I felt like I was losing you um <laughs> When I Google you, and this happens with all my comic friends from the States, okay? I yeah. Google you, and the fucking, like, your headshot fucking comes up, and, like, you know, your website pops, and all of that shit happens, and then I look at my shit, and I'm like, man, you know, like, one photo from 2012 cropped out into a tiny-ass little, like, this is terrible. <laughs> and it just constantly amazes me that everybody in the States that does comedy is so fucking sorted on these little things, like, the hygiene of it, you know? Because we have to, because, like... You- we talked about this earlier. Our scene is 80 years old or whatever it is. So we've all, there's just certain things you just have to do along the way, especially with the old guard and the way things used to be. You had to try to get on a sitcom, so you had to have headshots, so you had yeah. to do this, so you had to do that. Y'all scene is, it's actually beautiful right now because you get to dictate where it's going to go. If you as a scene yeah. decide you want to try to make your way into Bollywood, you can try to do that. I know Bollywood is pretty fucking yeah. tough to break into, but like you guys get to decide where this thing goes. And that's kind of the beauty of, like, when I look at Andrew, the thing I envy the most is his, like, insane confidence. Where he's like, yo, he literally was like, I'm going to change the way comedy is done. And then now everybody in America, in India you were already doing it, but people in America used to not put their clips online. Now, because of Andrew, we all do. 
So you need one or two of those guys who has the right intentions to say, this is where comedy is gonna go, and I'm gonna take it there, and I'm being completely serious, you should be one of those guys. I'm not just <laughs> gassing you. I would not say this if I didn't believe it. You should be one of those guys. And it's gonna take a lot of confidence that, I think you and I are in similar confidence levels where it's like, I have it, but I'm not like insanely confident. You need a little insane confidence because you could take comedy in India to a better place. I mean, I feel like, uh, uh, thank you, firstly. That's yeah. what I'm supposed to say at the compliment. I'm, see how awkward I am right now. No, this same. I'm the same. I'm the same. Most comics yeah. are. Uh, but uh, uh, I don't know, man. I don't think of it as like, I just want to do things nicely enough so I can tell better jokes. I feel like every time I've tried to realign myself to another goal, it ends very disastrously. Yeah, disastrously. I get you it. Know, and, uh, uh, and, and whatever new shit happens, it just happens on the way. Like this whole podcast just kind of happened on the way. It was more wow. of like, like I treat this podcast as my graduation. Because mm-hmm. uh, we set out to do 52 episodes and we were like, we're just going to talk to 52 people who I admire and I want to wow. work with or have worked with or seen the work off and just be like, hey, how do you do this? Right. I also want to do this right. to teach. Right. And it's, and that's, and like literally every month, dude, every month I have like conversations with people at YouTube. I have conversations with my agent. I have conversations with anybody and everybody who's like, Akash, what is the point of this podcast? Maybe we should take a, I'm like, no, you, you're missing it completely. Yeah. Like it was never meant to make money. Right. If it makes money along the way, that's like, that's, like, lucky, that's man. lucky, man. Yeah. Uh, also, and now we're lucky because we have patrons and stuff. You know? Yeah. Wow. All those guys out of the money. Uh, cut all those people out of the money conversation. I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Make, you can make, you're perfectly capable of making money on your own and dictating where you want to go because they are going to be like, let's sell it to this thing. Can you write a treatment? I don't know if you get the same bullshit industry questions oh, yeah. we get. I yeah. had a web series I, I talked to my agent about yesterday. Like, hey, write up a treatment and sell it to Quibi. Nobody in the fucking planet Earth watches this stupid ass entertainment app, but they only think one way. Let's just get the short money. What you're doing is great. Patrons is great. Now it's my fans, again, that's where most of our money comes from. My, our fans are with us, whatever we do. Yeah, right? And, and it's like, it's like uh, it's about, at the end of the day, it's about distribution, right? Like it all boils, that's what I realized at the beginning of the year. Like everything boils down to distribution. If, if you're going to depend on somebody else to distribute something you've made, you're going to have to play by their rules. Yeah. And, yeah, right? Fuck, that's a great way uh, of putting it. That's why you should be yeah. one of the guys, Akka. <laughs> Dude, I think I can be this guy and motivate guys like you and and give you little No, that's not. You're too, no, don't do that to yourself. <laughs> I'm telling you, and I always believe this, the best leader is a reluctant leader. I don't necessarily want the guy who That's wants some it. Game of Thrones Jon Snow shit, dude, right there. Exactly. <laughs> that's why we all love Jon Snow, because he didn't want anything to do with it. <laughs> Everybody else wanted the power. You don't care about that. That's why you take it in a better direction. And I don't even know. I think, yeah, just keep focusing on jokes and your legacy will be that. And you'll have these conversations and like that will live on. But uh, you should be one of the guys. Because I definitely saw some people there that are like, oh, you like fame. You like comedy, but you love fame. And that's cool. But that's not where I would ideally like to see comedy go anywhere. Where do you feel like your comedy goes that way? Like, where do you think, where do you see yourself in five years, Mr. Singh? I am focusing now on my own brand and the podcast brand. And now that I'm getting married and, and my fiance and I are talking about kids, it, it has become more of a money goal, but not like selling out for money. I want to make money doing things I enjoy. I think one legacy I would like to leave in America with comics is like, hey, this is how you take care of your finances. We need to empower ourselves instead of selling our soul for any bullshit gig, which I've done. Now, let's actually think about the money we're making long-term. And if I can yeah. do that, that's amazing for comics here. I do want to be, um, I started trying to say like, I'm the funniest brown comic in the world because I just want that spot. And like, that's something I learned from Andrew. You put that out there and then you go get it. And so like, yeah. I'll say, I was thinking about saying America and then I, Andrew was like, fuck that, say the world. Don't talk with your dick, like go, just go get it. And I was like, yeah, that's right. That's the thing you and I both, as I'm saying it out loud, it feels so uncomfortable and so whatever. And like, I'm like, but what about this guy? He could be the, and who cares? Even if it's close, just say it. Your fans, people who like you will agree with you. People who don't, won't, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, 
big deal. That's like that's like Trump level strategy, bro. It's that's... it's a great idea. Like there are going to be yeah. people who will watch both of us, no matter our skill level. I think you're very good. I think I'm very good. That's whatever. But like people but will say, this Akash, Akash Singh sucks. He's the worst comic I've ever seen. Akash Mehta is the best comic I've ever seen. There will be yeah. some that feel the opposite. Why not just say if you're good and you're elite and Akash Mehta, you are one of the elite. Why not just say it? Like whatever. Yeah, I think I need an Andrew in my life. You do. I'll be your Andrew. <laughs> I'll pay it forward to, to Akash. Akash is your Andrew. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a really quick break and come back after this break and talk about more about the podcast and about uh, other uncomfortable things like butt plugs. All so, right, see you right after this break. Okay. This episode of the AMS podcast is brought to you by Trashy Trending Memes. ध्यान भटकाए देश की खस्ता हालत से 40 लाख लोगों की जॉब जा चुकी है पर पहले यह पता कर लो कि रसोड़े में कौन था and we're back with the second half of akash mehta and friends with akash singh akash mehta with akash singh what does that tell you nothing really if you haven't heard the first half go listen to the first half if you haven't heard it back in the second half i we, we were just like at the end of this uh, um, if if you haven't heard the first half akash just promised to be my andrew yeah uh, uh, yeah which if you don't know go listen to the first half <laughs> uh, but uh, but how did the flagrant podcast start so andrew and i have been friends legitimately since i moved to new york and 2008. So maybe I started comedy in 2007. I'm so old I don't know. Is it like a thing to isn't it usually it's the other way around, right? Like you go from you go from New York to, to LA. LA that's everybody. Ready. That's part of the reason I moved is when I started, all the veterans, particularly the black ones somehow, would always say the same exact thing. You did this backwards. You go you're supposed to go to uh, New York to get good, then you go to LA to get famous. And I was like, "Oh, I want to be good. I don't I mean fame is great, but like I have to be good if, first." So I moved to New York. And then when I moved there, I was going to do this like hood show, like this show all was going to be all black people in Brooklyn. It didn't even happen. It got canceled. But I met Andrew there, this, this skinny white guy wearing these skinny ass jeans. And I was like, he looks like a fucking dork to me because I didn't understand that was fashion. But in New York at the time, but I was like, oh, but he's at this show. There must be something to him. He shakes my hand. We talk. He offers me a ride back in the city. We have like all the same comedian tastes. Uh, we don't really talk again that much for the next year. I'm kind of doing my own thing, bombing all over the city. He's doing. He's at the Village Lantern, and then a year. I'm so miserable. I'm like, yo, I've always had fun hanging out with this guy. Let's just go hang out with him. And then from there, we just became super tight. Like hanging out as almost every day. We lived together for a little bit. Any project he had, he would always bring me along as like his writer. He was so super loyal. I'm very loyal. We had that in common. And I always wanted to do a podcast with him. but i knew he was ahead of me as he should have been um he was ahead of me so i didn't want to be like yo do me a favor let's do it you know what i mean it felt like a favor to me then he did a podcast with charlemagne who i don't know if you know he's a massive radio personality in the yeah. states so i was like yo that's a great opportunity for you i would love to do a podcast with you but you have to do that they do their podcast it's going great i think he's feeling like he wants to have a podcast that's a little less pc because that podcast is getting more pc and then he came to me and he was like let's do a podcast together and we just brainstormed on it for months and months and then eventually we came upon like let's talk about sports because we do like sports i love sports more than him but like you can also I love sports but unfortunately yeah well the good thing about no. sports is you can at least here sports culture they don't get offended it's not they don't care fuck your team you're a piece of shit blah 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 those people tend to not be super pc So he knew no, I just meant it as in uh, you don't watch cricket. So, oh, I don't watch. Yeah. I don't watch. Yeah. yeah. I watch the only real sport. I watch the World Cup. I can't get into fucking non-World Cup <laughs> cricket, man. It's so low stakes. What? It's so high. What? It's See, so that, low that's stakes. why Indians bet. Okay. <laughs> you get with the program. You please gamble. Okay. okay. All right, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. But we started the podcast and we kind of uh there's this radio station I always listen to in Dallas I talk about all the time the ticket and the idea of that was like it's half sports and half just guy talk in general and um, yeah. certain things that like they call all their fans P1s and so we started calling our fans assholes because we say this is analysis by assholes so you're the asshole army and like little branding things we picked up along the way and slowly we got more and more comfortable just leaning into the comedy aspect of it and yeah. um We were having a ton of fun, and then I was going broke. 
Like I, I was on like seven TV shows the year before when we started the podcast, and then one by one, every show got canceled. 2016, I'm assuming. 2017, 16, 17, yeah, and then 2018. Every every day, I'm just getting more, more and more money's coming out of my account. And I had found out about Patreon from a couple, a couple other podcasts that were doing it. Um, and I was talking to Andrew about it, and he wasn't. He was like, "I'm really busy, man. I don't know if I have time." Uh, but I kept kind of staying in his ear, like, "Hey, I think our fans are really loyal, man. I think our fans will be into this." And then he finally, at one point, I was so broke, I said to him, "I am literally pleading with you at this point. Please start this Patreon." And he said, "Okay, man, just start it." I had everything set up. We started. He helped me figure out how to kind of like, for lack of, it's a crude word, but market it. Like, how do we get our fans yeah. to, to come make this conversion? And yeah. um, he really kind of led the way on that. Not helped me figure out. He led the way on that. But then it just became this thing that just kind of, like, really grew. And then in, since quarantine, our podcast, our regular podcast audience has tripled. I think we're doing, like, 500,000 downloads an episode now, which, you know, in the States is crazy. Whoa. I don't know what it is in, in New York. Wait, I mean, you're doing $500,000 an episode? 500,000 downloads an episode. Or listens an episode. Downloads. By yeah. God, huh? Okay, yeah. that's that's pretty fucking great, dude, for a podcast. Yeah. I don't think a lot of podcasts get hit like that. Yeah, five hundred thousand dollars an episode is like Rogan, Joe Rogan money. But we're doing, yeah, yeah. We're, it's just growing now into this thing. And as Andrew's profile has lifted, it's been great for the podcast and lifted my profile. Yeah. And like, that's kind of uh, that and his his weekly Instagram rant are kind of like his yeah. staple things. What did you was was it, there was a gap between flagrant one and flagrant two, right? No, flagrant two is a foul in basketball. It's called a flagrant foul where I'm not trying to play. I'm actually just trying to foul you. I'm just trying to hurt you. And the flagrant two is the more serious foul. You get thrown out of the game right away. So we called it that right. because like that way you kind of know what you're getting into. We're kind of we're going to be harsh. We're just trying to like you know we're trying to kind of set the the tone for the podcast. So, so, but then you're not running, running both now, right? No, there was never a flagrant one. It was always just flagrant two. We just named oh, it after okay. the foul, the flagrant two foul. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, okay. No problem. Oh, okay. okay. Man, I've heard that podcast, dude. I listened to it quite a bit. Thank it's you, man. Always, it's always fucking great takes on shit, dude. Thank it's you. That's, like, yeah, that's the goal, is have unique takes. Yeah, and I feel like it's also... Uh, I feel like both of you are able to defend a lot of things... Uh, uh, and I'm always waiting to see what angle you use to defend something. Yeah. Right. And that's a great comedic exercise because yeah? right. that's a lot of our job is just selling you our point of view, whatever right. the point of view is. Right. I don't think a lot of people get that. Uh, uh, you know, like I feel like that's the really the missing link because we say shit because we want to learn the mechanics of it. And yeah. We're we're obsessed with the the mechanics of the morality of it as well. We just yeah. look at it as a. There's no emotional investment in making a, in no. a joke like that, right? No. no. Sometimes for me there is, but a lot of times, especially with flagrant, it's like, let's just see how we can have fun with this. We're just trying to find the yeah. fun. And I don't, honestly, I don't think you need everybody to get it. You just need your the people who are potential fans to get it. And once they get yeah. it, you're fine. <laughs> well, it's very interesting. Like when you were doing that show in Bombay, uh, uh, I, <laughs> I remember because you say bitches. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you can't say bitches it. in India. I love it. <laughs> I love saying bitch. I love is my favorite word in the English language. <laughs> is it? What's the logic? It's just fun to say, man. Bitch. And it's also kind of like, I think so much of my um, point of view is not real. It's bullshit. It's like, this is a, I'm a, I have like a fraud, what's the imposter complex? And part of it is, feeds into this thing that like, I don't know what I really believe. All I know is when the masses are like yelling about something, I'm always like, you're fucking, you're so full of shit. It pushes me the other way. So I grew up in Texas, which is very Republican, whatever. So I was pretty yeah. liberal. And I was looking at these stupid Republican people, like y'all are just, y'all are idiots. What are you talking about? And then I moved to New York and LA and they're like stupid liberal people. And that pushed me more conservative. And I feel like the zeitgeist within entertainment is constantly being feminist and constantly being PC and constantly being this. And I see the flaws in that so glaringly that I'm like, I'm always kind of reacting to that. I'm always kind of reacting to the loudest voice, which I don't know what that, that maybe that means I don't really believe anything. But the point is, long story short, bitches is like, you're not supposed to say that in general. You're not supposed to call the woman a bitch. She's supposed to be this fucking heavenly angel floating on a cloud that you never say a bad thing about. Fuck that. I'm, a, I'm an engaged man. I love my fiance with all my heart. Bitch gets on my nerves sometimes. I can't, I can't, we can't find that space. 
So I think I started saying it more because of that. But then it just became such a fun word to say. Just bitch, come on, bitch. Just leaning into it, bitch. Yeah. I love it. Yes. It's like almost like reminds me of that TNT like sketch, you know, the one where they're. Uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> yes. Yeah, but I gotta say with my whole heart. I said, bitch. But, but it's such an interesting thing, right? Because like now, now, what if we take the N word into consideration, right? Like I have this unpopular argument when it comes to the N word. Like sitting yeah. in India, whenever I heard that word, it had nothing to do with racism. Yeah. It was very fucking cool because it yeah. was rappers saying yeah. it. Yeah, you have an interesting perspective right? on the N word. Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody calls me an N word, I'm just like, yeah, man, thanks, yeah. Like it's like a cool, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's a cool thing. Yeah. Unless it's a sand one, which I have been called a bunch of times. Yeah. Which is not as pleasant because I well, know that could be nobody cool, calls. Though. You know what I mean? If you think about it, we're just a little sandy, like maybe that's just <laughs> cool. You know what I mean? Just a little browner, lighter. But <laughs> this is what it brings me to two things, right? One is. The mechanics of using the N word is very different from using bitch. Yeah, and I'm trying to understand how. And second, uh, as Indian people growing up there, is it like a like I don't know if you felt this as well, but every Indian friend who grew up there, there's a intrinsic leaning towards black culture that also kind of comes along. I think I'm I I am that way, but I think I'm more the exception than the rule. There's a lot of actually it's probably about fifty fifty, and I think that comes from in America. There's no there's a, an American kind of white identity, and then black people have carved out their own identity because they had to, uh, and then the rest of us don't like. How do I act Indian? If you take away right. Hindi or your language, Gujarati, whatever it is, how do you act Indian? Period. Like even in India. Yeah. So when you're here, I don't know how to act Indian. I did most of us. Koreans, Indians, whatever, we just kind of choose. We act white or we act black. And growing up in Texas, I think I had enough experiences that wasn't like all the time, but it was a, enough that it impacted me in like a hurtful way of white people basically letting me know, hey, you're not us. So I think that pushed me more toward black culture and identifying with, because I was like, oh, if I'm not you, I must be these guys. And then whenever I lived around yeah. a, a lot of black people, they were like, yo, you're not us either. But, you know, at this point, it's kind of like it's yeah. been said, I guess. And what? And then what about the bitch and the N word parallel, right? I don't know. I just always knew the N word to be incredibly hateful. Like this is literally what you called slaves. That was the origin of the word, and then it stayed as a tool of actual oppression. Bitch, I didn't know to be that. I'm sure it just got used like motherfucker or whatever. To me, bitch is more like motherfucker, but it's a woman or bastard about a guy or whatever. It's not used in the same like. Incredibly horrific context as not that women haven't gone through shit, but like it wasn't the bitch wasn't a term as far as I know that you came up with in the time where we were just raping women all the time and beating the shit out of them or whatever. That wasn't bitch yeah. wasn't a term we used to hold them down back then. The N word was like you're a slave. You're gonna know you're a slave. This is the term that we're using for you because fuck you, you're a piece of shit. Bitch is like right. yo, this girl is being a fucking. It's multi-purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's just you. This is a personality trait. It's not an intrinsic thing of who you are. And I just hate you for who you are. I don't know if I used intrinsic correctly, but I tried. But no, that makes sense. That makes complete sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a behavioral quality as opposed to an intrinsic quality. Yes. That that I think that's something that makes a lot of sense to me. I personally feel like uh, I don't know anything. And I'm so slow to understand things that I like asking like a million questions. You no, know, but you also need to draw an opinion. Yeah, sorry, but to defend you, as I'm going to do, as you're Andrew, you didn't grow up in America. If you grew up in America, I promise you would get it. You'd be like, oh, you would ask questions still, maybe, because that's your mind. You're an inquisitive person. But you'd be like, okay, yeah, I get it. Because you just, you've seen it. It's been used against me racially, because especially when I grew up, people didn't know what Indians were. So, yeah. and I was like, yo, that was fucking hurtful, man. Wow. And so I understand even a little bit more how pointedly that word is used. Yeah, I got called like, dude. <laughs> I got called like uh, n-word thrice in yeah. like the span of four minutes, <laughs> and I was just like, how did all of this? Because it was fine like for the first week, and then suddenly, the the most fun racist people are in England. Really? Because because it's like they they have this. They're almost scared of you. Hmm. Like. 
you know what i mean like yeah. they like i was walking through um i was walking through the uh, english countryside so mm-hmm. to speak and i was just walking down the street i guess that town doesn't have a lot of brown people i don't know right. but that lady just kind of like crossed the road and so i walking on the opposite side wow, of the road yeah, so yeah, she went yeah, here too and i was yeah and i i felt kind of like a power trip dude like i was like yeah man like i could have used this like <laughs> <laughs> was like you're racist if somebody's scared of you or me like you're just racist then no way yeah, i'm yeah. imposing physically <laughs> yeah, yeah right when but i say it's like a, and you know the thing is indians are so racist Yeah. So so racist right like that's how I explain casteism to people outside of India. I'm like we are so racist that we had only brown people. So we found a way to differentiate between that's them also. Really good. That's really good. Right? Yeah. Cuz how do you hate someone who looks like you? You give him a different last name. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's good. That's really good. Oh. But like at but at the same time I feel like the the some of the racism no it's not just It's not just something that's been put into your head. It's not just something that you believe falsely. But like to give you an example, okay, I was in San Francisco for that festival, right? Mm-hmm. I get an Airbnb. I get the cheapest Airbnb I can fi- find. It's in this place I think called Hunters Point. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a black Hispanic neighborhood, and I yeah. go there and I and I get there in the in the Uber and I and I'm going in the Uber and the Uber guy is like, man, why are you staying here? And I'm like, because uh, it's the cheapest. He's like, dude. You know you're going to have a tough time getting Ubers here. I'm like what happened? It's like well they shot a four Uber drivers here in the last month and I'm like man. <laughs> and then and then there were these two there were these gangbangers on the corner of the street where I was dude and every time they'd see me walk out of the the, the Uber and walk up they'd like say shit to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like just and not like mean shit or anything. Just like hey man you want some weed and I was like no I'm okay thank you and they're like oh he's a cute Indian boy. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I know. You're now even in New York, right? Like the the like when you're walking on the street alone in a new place, mm-hmm. right? And and you're hearing it's fucking New York. I'm hearing gunshots in the distance, dude. Mm-hmm. And 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 then and now there's like this six foot tall black dude who's just there. Mm-hmm. Okay, now it's it's it has nothing to do with racism for me because even if that guy was white or brown. The fact that he's that physically imposing is yeah. something that I would like automatically be scared and cross the street for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, six foot guy is gonna make you cross the street? Come on, dog. dude. Six foot, I think. Dude, six seven, whatever. Dude, you know how it is, dude. Everyone there, they are eating uh, this gaumata every day, and they are becoming bigger and bigger. <laughs> They're huge. Do you never? I mean, yeah. I mean, you're shorter than I am, dude. You must have yeah. spent so much of your life being physically into. I would, I got so intimidated there all the time. Yeah, I don't have like as much of a Napoleon complex as some people. I guess for some reason, I never felt short. Like Andrew is six two, and I always. It's very rare that I'm like, oh fuck, I'm much shorter than you. For the most That's part, I, I just think him. I'm tall, which is crazy. You should hug him more often. See, when you <laughs> hug people, I'm serious. You know, men don't hug each other enough. I've noticed this. <laughs> Want to give myself a complex about how short I am? Maybe that's why we don't hug each other because I just want to no, remain confident. No, it's oxytocin. I got no nice problem hugging. Place. I tell guys I love them all the time. Every time I leave the podcast, I tell Andrew and Alex and Mark, "Yo, what's up, Mark? I'll see you later. Love you, buddy. Love you, buddy. Love you, buddy." But uh, the guy hug, I think universally, there's like rules to not be gay about it. Like you have to pat twice on the back. You can't like hold the <laughs> hug. You know what I mean? It's interesting how that's a universal concept. And Man, here, that's that's not universal, dude. In India, like you, Russell Peters does a bit about it. You know, it's mainstream, but like holding hands. Uh, yeah, man, and the just the just the physical. Oh, it's it's oh, it's too close sometimes. It's, holding hands is too intimate, man. It's too intimate. Not just holding hands, dude. I've seen people cuddling, man. Like just sitting and cuddling, man, and it's like a manly cuddle, man. Nah, yeah. I'm not with it. I'm not into it. Nah, like, I, I see that's the, that's the, that's what right like it's just so much of this is conditioning man for all you know you know <laughs> you, what, what you what you really want is just like a man cuddle man a man can cuddle you like a woman cannot cuddle you you know I don't like being little spoon so I'm good you don't have to be little spoon first of all big spoon you can be but you can be the the smaller spoon can be the back spoon. see it's not about big and small it's about front and back <laughs> the the Your your judging criteria data is very bad. I don't know why my English is breaking down. <laughs> yeah. No, it's fine. Anytime I got to be Hindi to you, I'm sure it's coming out crazy. <laughs> What uh, you were supposed to come to India? And we were I was going to do shows in Bangalore. I was trying to get yeah, I was trying to link up with you actually. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I don't I think don't that's going to happen anytime soon. When uh, do you think I can go to India? I want to uh, go to visit family even. Uh, where does your family live? Bangalore. I have family in Bangalore. My fiance's family and there's a member of her family that's you know, getting older and not as well right now. So we need, I would like to go see them as soon as possible. But... Uh, Man, dude, in my experience, I don't know. See, the thing is, it's about your immunity, right? Like, you grew up there. So, I, I don't know how... Because you definitely didn't get the BCG vaccine. Yeah. Right? Which one is that? The tuberculosis vaccine growing up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we got that. Yeah? Uh, yeah. Cause, so, 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 that's the thing, right? Like, uh, a lot of theories on why India isn't doing as badly. A lot of people think it's just because we're not reporting. <laughs> so... Uh, and Bangalore uh, was decent now it got bad again and places are just going to keep going back and forth for a while um, right. I have figured that if I if things don't get better here by Jan I'll just bounce to Canada because my brother lives in Vancouver with my nephew and my sister-in-law right so that's just a great like, idea yeah and just like go there and, and, and do stand up and, and everything I do here I can do there I think it's just a yeah. matter of timings now but there I can actually physically go and tell jokes to people yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm supposed to do a show in Vancouver in. It was supposed to be in May, and now it's getting pushed. But at some point, I think it'll be full capacity. I assume within the next year. Yeah, I, I don't think it's. Uh, are you doing a lot of Zoom shows? Yeah, I do them as open mics. Yeah, no. I have one joke and see what I can do. It's not fun. I have. I'm doing I kind of give up on. Uh, hmm? I'm doing stand-up shows again. Uh, my agent hit me up and said, hey, do you feel comfortable doing shows in some of these places that are allowing shows? You know, if you don't feel comfortable, that's fine. I get it. But I said, basically, I'm a little nervous because I have asthma, which is obviously an underlying condition. Uh, but I feel like the opportunity is is really, like, strong right now. There's a ton of opportunity. Yeah. So if I can go do these shows and tape them and get some clips out of them, I can be putting up clips while nobody else is. Exactly what I've also been thinking of, man. That's yeah. the way I see yeah. it. Uh, the way and I, you know, I managed to get... The last show I did was the night before India went into lockdown. Like, I think a night wow. or two. So I managed yeah. to get three, four videos worth on that night. And you put them uh, up? Yeah, and over the course of the quarantine, I've, I think I've had, I'm the only guy who's consistently been putting out live stand-up clips. And, uh, and then so you got to title message. one of them, yeah. and maybe you can even put it out all as one piece, but I told my friend the same thing, but he's in America, so I have no problem telling you this in India. Same idea, which is the last show filmed before quarantine. The last ah. show filmed before lockdown. <laughs> yeah, Everybody but the thing is that what you can put online and what you can do live, no, that gap is too big. Well, I'm just, no, I'm saying just, so, so much of this I've realized is just like, how do you title your thing? What's your thumbnail? And Indians yeah. are probably even ahead of the curve on uh, YouTube stuff, but that, that would be a great marketing angle. I might be telling you stuff you already know, but if you just titled it the last show before lockdown, like you were, you were a part of the last show that happened in India before lockdown, I think people would just click off that title just off the strength and just go, what's uh, this about? I you think it's too late now. <laughs> I, already, I already put it all up. Put it all up as one piece and see what happens. Yeah, the last I, I'll, I'll get to... Actually, the, the fun thing is, no, I, I finally embraced the idea of doing the vlogs and shit. Which, yeah, I'm uh, doing vlogs too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I think, uh, I think there's some fun there because, like, for once, you don't have to be funny when you're telling a story, right? Like, like it's not... It's not uh, it's not stand up. Like in stand up, I'm gonna judge every single thing that comes out of my mouth with the lens of whether or not it it yields like a laugh at the end of the conversation. Right. Uh, right. But with vlogs, I'm just like fuck it, man. I got feelings. Look at my feelings. Like oh, interesting. I haven't done that as much. I've tried to do a lot of them as kind of like premises. I I hadn't wrapped my mind around the other idea. Yeah, cause I feel like your stand up is like. Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys follow that Hub Hero and, uh, you know, the Hero product, Hub product and hygiene product thing. No. So your channel uh, has to have three things, right? It has to have a Hero product. Like, that's what you're known for. That's your basic peg. That's what I, that's what gets the most views. That's the thing that the audience anticipates the most. And it's the thing that you don't necessarily release all the time, but with a certain frequency. Right. Uh, a Hub is anything that's not big enough to be your Hero product is your Hub. 
right so like flagrant i guess is is like a hub right like it's not right. what your main job is but it's something you do and it makes you it makes money and it has its own fan base so it's like a hub right uh, and then hygiene is the shit you have to put out anyway all the time like just yeah. Uh, relevance to maintain your relevance yeah okay. so like so the vlog hygiene yeah, so the vlog started off as hygiene but i feel like they're going to turn into a hub pretty soon because that's my goal with the vlog is to become a second yeah. hub because and and, and that's why i feel like time. yeah and i feel like i can i can take that step away from it having to be funny because uh, uh this podcast isn't like the funniest thing in the world it's right. just a serious thing and it has its own audience and i think uh, you know it's it doesn't have to be the biggest audience right it just has to be a right. loyal audience yeah yeah long it pays you at the hub really realistically if it's a sustainable income at the hub yeah yeah do you i don't know what the question was yeah i think we just start talking now <laughs> yeah i got my vlog i don't remember the question i'm just conferring with my andrew now is it <laughs> is it weird on some level when that happens like i i most of my friends became very popular okay in comedy like they started after me before me doesn't matter they are all more famous than i am now yeah. uh, which i always took as a personal advantage because i was like you you go be famous and and fuck up and then i and i'll i'll kind of get what not to do with perspective yeah yeah does that ever, do you ever feel weird with that and i said to andrew i've had this conversation with him there is never any jealousy with anything he does because i see how obsessive he like he is and how hard he works I mean, he does flagrant, but then for these rants, he legitimately puts in like 80 hours a week on each one, mm. easily. And then he does three podcasts a week. So I see how hard he works. So everything he gets, he's always been like that, and I always know he deserves it. There's a part of me that it triggers my own insecurity, which mm. is, what the fuck am I doing? My best friend in this business is like the guy I'm, I've been with for 10 years or for 12 years, whatever, as, as one of my best friends on earth, is changing comedy. What the fuck am I doing? I'm just yeah. out here doing it. Big fucking deal. And I said to him, I'm so happy for you. If I ever act weird, just know that's my own insecurity going toward myself and not knowing how to talk to you. But like yeah. I'm so happy for you. And so that has happened because we were so close and we started together and then it's not even like for my insecurity it's hard to I can placate certain insecurities with other comics of like, oh, this guy's doing a style of comedy that's going to get you somewhere quicker but doesn't have as high of a ceiling. Or this guy is, yeah, this is getting rewarded because that's what he is. But it's, you know, it's not what you're doing. You're doing something different. Andrew and I are doing very similar things. Very similar style of comedy. Very yeah. similar sensibilities. Very close. Started around the same time. And now he's just so fucked. He is like, maybe the comic in America right now. Like, he's the guy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just sitting here and I'm one when of the guys. When he's fucking uh, telling Netflix, you know, there's this one story, he's telling Netflix, hey, Netflix, the rate just went up. I was like, oh, oh. I know, I know. <laughs> I know, it's incredible. And so there's certain insecurities of my own and I have my own, like, self-worth mm. issues and I always feel like I'm an, I got this imposter syndrome or whatever you call it where, like, I'm always thinking I'm not good enough and everybody's going to find out. So that all gets triggered, but that's something I'm working on on my own. Yeah, and it's, it's. I'm sure it seeps out in moments, but for the most part, it's like, yeah, it's just something that's a battle, I think. But I'm so glad you've had that conversation. I think that conversation is the most like it's a difficult conversation, but it's the most important one whenever something like this happens, right? Yeah. Because, uh, because as a and because I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a point where you're going to make fun of Andrew, dude. Like, this, this, it's not possible to not do that as well in life. And because right. you've had that conversation, that joke is never come going to come across as something it's not meant to be. Right, right, yeah, and we both understand jokes, and like, and I've also always told him, you no, know, without this podcast, I'm pretty much broke. It's paying not on wood pretty well right now, but without it, I don't have other income. But I've told him, like, even then, I would walk away from that if it affects our friendship. I don't care. Like, that's yeah. not going to affect. That's my number one goal through all this. So I've taken steps, I think, to be like, let's get out ahead of some of the issues that could come up. But yeah, it definitely it can trigger some insecurities when like. The Rock is commenting on this guy's page, and fucking Captain America is following him on Instagram, and I'm just sitting there like, oh, that's that's cool. <laughs> I mean, uh, you guys, you guys know uh, this Indian rapper? He follows me, so you know, <laughs> Indian American rapper, and then I, him and I follow you, man. <laughs> that's true. That's true. You're the guy. You're the you're the most famous guy following me, and that's great. But if The Rock was following me, it'd be a different stratosphere of Yeah. 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 I mean, I would always pick Stone Cold. 
this yeah you know, fair. I, have, I have this i have this uh, so i do this joke which is like a running joke through all five of the specials right now which is uh, mm-hmm. i kind of I, i kind of i try to explain to the audience how i, I really want john cena music in my life yeah that's got to be great right and and like uh, about a month ago i was just having this conversation with my lawyer who happens to be my friend okay and we're having this long ass conversation about just like fantasies like oh yeah man going to go to netflix and and sell them five specials and then right. and then each one is going to end with the john cena music and like we've and by at this point in the conversation we've we've talked a lot of fantasies like right. okay netflix pays me yeah me and my friend like we're, we're in we're deep into fantasy territory Yeah. Right. Like, cause, cause Netflix has bought five specials and given me a private jet as a thank you. Okay. At this point. With it. I love right? all and, of it. Yeah, and I'm like, and imagine how fucking great it'll be to get off stage for that last special taping to the John Cena music, and which is mm. fucking, I'll fucking put my hands in the sky and fucking walk down the aisle, and everyone will be going crazy. And he looks at me and he's like, Yeah, but I don't think they'll give you permission to use that track. I'm like, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> No, I have a good friend. You know why? Because up until then it was all realistic. This is all realistic, damn. And now he's finding. All right, so when this happens, we got to find a way around that. That's a good friend. That's a good friend. That's, that's a good friend and a lawyer. You need a lawyer like that. Believe in you. But he's got to be the guy. So. I'm gonna help you be the guy. Yeah, I'm. I'm lucky to have you too, man. That way, I, I need. Yeah. I need that motivation. I'm with you, buddy. Let's do it. All right, man. Hey, thank you for being on this podcast, dude. Of course, man. Thank you for having me. This was absolutely great, and it was so much more fun. Like with Nimesh's episode, it was really fun because Nimesh had no idea who I am, uh, <laughs> and and I thought maybe 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 he will Google that I'm going on this guy's <laughs> podcast. I've given him two hours of my time, and I I even told him I said, "What if I'm like some right wing propaganda?" He's like, ah, "I'll just cut the phone call. I don't care." <laughs> ठीक you're a nice guy but like when it comes to comedy i don't think you i don't think you're like really like it's i didn't agree with their, a lot of the stuff they're saying or i thought mm. it was about other things but with you it's just like oh this guy just fucking loves jokes and he's funny as fuck and this is what he's passionate about is the art itself yeah no that's why i like to project also because that's the truth also and i feel like it, that's where akash and friends is great because i feel like a lot of the times i talk to people who i'm not necessarily day to day friends with And mm-hmm. and uh, 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 and then they realize how great a friend I can be. Like it's great. No, I'm, I'm the best, man. You're the best. I'm a huge fan. Always been a huge fan. Even bigger now. Likewise. Oh man. Okay. Chalo. This has been great. Thank you so much for doing yes. this. Uh, and uh, that was the episode with Akash Singh, guys. I hope that was a good episode for you, uh, uh, patrons on the podcast. We have lots more things coming up for you. A lot of interesting things coming up for you. Uh, a couple of more live episodes that we're trying to plan out for y'all that you can watch. If you did not watch the last uh, live secret episode we did with Anubhav Bassi, no problem. We might just do another one. Um, and that's about it, man. I hope you guys enjoyed. If you are listening to this and are not a patron right now, hey, man, give it a thought. Uh, all the money you give could help us explore things that sounds wrong